broadcasting from Littlehampton, UK. This is the Man Up Podcast. Loading in five, four, three, two, one. So here we are. We're proper up north this time. Hello, Tony. Uh, well, you call it proper up north. I've come about two hours down south, Steve. <laughs> this is this is your, that's life, isn't it? It's well, to be honest with you, you see, I live on the south coast, so Horsham, London is <laughs> is north. So this is proper up north in South Normanton. South Normanton, which I got slightly mistaken uh, with. Nor- There's a place called Normanton, which is in Yorkshire. Uh, near like Sheffield and all that, and now we're in like near not too far from Derby and all that. Yes, and and it's now it is technically south of Normanton, but it's very south Normanton. Yes, I got confused with Northallerton and Northampton once. I was doing a Christmas event in Northallerton, and I thought <laughs> Northallerton that's got to be sort of Midlands, and of course <laughs> Northallerton's a heck of a way from Northampton. I have I have this gig in. Um, Cornwall. It's, it's like a labour of love. I've had it for about nine years now. I, I just booked the axe for it. There's this friend of mine, Wes Zaharuk. He's a oh, I know that name. Yeah, he's he's a, a Canadian comedy magician, brilliant. And um, he's like, he talks like this, like, "Hey, Tony, how you doing?" And so when he first came over here, he was just like, "Hey, great," you know. You're like, "Hey, I've got I've got you a gig." Oh, great, Tony. Uh, it's 150 pounds. Oh, perfect, Tony. You're such a good man to me. It's in um, it's in a place called Porth Town. No problem. And he didn't know in Cornwall. Great, sounds great. He didn't know where anything was. <laughs> and like he lives up in Manchester, and he must have had a gig. I think he had a gig further north that the day before. And never. And then he go, Tony. I, I just I I got I switched on my sad nav. <laughs> it was a great conversation. It said eight hours. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Have a good journey to us. Oh, oh, oh man. Reminds me of the Drifters at a gig in Chelmsford. And they put Cheltenham into their sat-nav. Oh, no way. Which is a long way from Chelmsford. The drifters turned up Cheltenham. So they did in Chelmsford. They didn't Missed make... the gig. Oh, no. Were, you, were you meant to be watching them on that no, one? I'm just, it's an anecdote. It's the story. <laughs> <laughs> it gets around. Famous uh, sat-nav fails. It's easily done, isn't it? Yeah. So this is uh, so we're on obviously episode seven now. What's been going on for you since uh, since we last well, been busy out the road? Lots of gigs, magazines going well, sorted's doing well. Father's Day was very good for us. Um, all the festivals, lots of people been signing up. So if you don't subscribe to the magazine, please do subscribe. Twenty one pound a year with a direct debit, uh, which is very exciting. Oh, I tell you what though, mm-hmm. um, linking in with what we were talking about earlier, you've been cruising. Uh, hello. Uh, I'm sure you can tell us about your cruising. (laughs) But uh, we now give away sorted free copies at Southampton at the cruise terminals. No, I got just just a couple of weeks ago, I went from Southampton Terminal on a Fred Olsen cruise doing them... Going to like Antwerp and places like that, <laughs> over like you oh, know, like mate, that's Oslo, glamorous, isn't it? Oslo and all that. Tell it's like what. an episode of Triangle. Yeah, do you remember Triangle? You're too young for Triangle. <laughs> Kate Mara. Yeah, it's all. Do you that remember is, that? It's all before me, and it's it's one of those um, programs. That, but yeah, it's uh, Southampton. It's a massive terminal, is it? And it's um and it's kind of like you know you're going on this glamorous holiday and you you're walking past like just big container ports yes. and everything, isn't it? And then, there's the ship, there she blows. So we've got Southampton Terminal. So that's exciting. So we've been giving away right. copies at uh, airport departure gates, which is really exciting over the years, and people taking them all over the world. But we thought, why not give it a go? Crack on with uh, cruise liners. Oh, I love it. So what was your cruise like? So You've done a couple, haven't you? Yeah, I've done a couple. Uh, I've got a, a Royal Caribbean one uh, next month in the Western Mediterranean, and then I've got another one, a Scandinavian one, with Celebrity Eclipse. But the, um, the, the last one I did was... 
uh, Fred Olsen going around like Oslo and Belgium and all these kind of different places. It really nice. I mean, the thing is, it's a very different. World Did you get to a the town? comedy clubs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, uh, it, it, yeah, on the sunbed type thing. But basically, it's it's like a, a strange, different world because. You know, it, it it's mostly older people that have got... Uh, basically, they've got a bit of money, they've retired, and they've it's all the baby boomers that are um, thinking, well, right, how do I deplete my inheritance so that I don't have to give my yes. kids anything? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect way. I'll spend half the year at sea. And, um, and, and, and yeah, and so... So even the actual shows are quite like the the, the theatres. They're in these old show lounges. You know, yeah. like the use of big thick curtains yeah. and and all the you know comfy kind of seats with little round tables around and little you know, booths, little booths. Yeah, that, that are kind of nailed to the floor. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, again, you got your cruise director comes on first and does. You know, it's all very you know like lines that you've heard you know year on year because it's all you know they all just go around the different ships and it's so it's an it's an interesting world. Um, but I, you know, I love it. I mean, it's, it's. You think sometimes you go, I'm getting paid for this. I'm yeah. on a luxury ship. <laughs> you you get five square meals a day. It's crazy. They like they they have breakfast, lunch, afternoon tea because they can't quite make it to evening meals. So they have afternoon tea. So we're talking with cakes, cakes and tea, scones and tea, and you know all sorts of sandwiches. You know, little triangular sandwiches. Yeah. And then they have there's two sittings for evening meal. Uh, there's obviously there's loads of different restaurants on the thing, but you, two things for evening meal, and then if that's not enough, then they have supper at no. ten o'clock. They bring out fried, you know, pakoras and oh, all sorts of stuff. Mate. And you go, are you guys all right? It's just <laughs> you, you're obviously they're not obviously going to starve, but <laughs> mental, isn't it? So yeah, you get looked after five square meals a day, and um, presumably you're only working two well, well, that 45 one minutes two 45 minute sets and then a half hour late night set but this one I'm doing the new cruises which is next month uh, I'm doing um, the Royal Caribbean it's the it's the, um, it's the biggest ship in the world it's called the Allure of the Sea it holds 7,000 people it's crazy it's got like a zip wire that through the middle of it it's got like a sur- you know surf machines where you can do real surfing and um, you know, climbing walls. And ev- it's got everything. It's got like a whole high street with Subway and all that and Ben and Jerry's in. Um, and in that one, they're clearly a bit more clued up. They've got a proper comedy club and you do two shows every night. So oh, okay. you work so seven nights. You were actually doing 14 shows. So they, like the, the older lines, it's like the old school. You just do two yeah. shows and that's it. That's all you need to do. Whereas the, uh, the new ones... You're work working you. two hours a day. Yeah, oh, t- mate, it's hard life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only two 30-minute sets. Which <laughs> oh, an hour a day. An hour a day. I'm, I'm already feeling sorry for myself, yeah. <laughs> now, let me ask you this, because mm. I've got a lot of magic pals who have done cruising. Yeah. How do you cope with your downtime? Do you learn a trade? Do you, do you, do you learn a new skill, or do you become an alcoholic? <laughs> it's easily done I, if you're yeah, 23 hours a day. I can see how, how that, once you, if you get into it a lot. But the thing is, I wouldn't say I have a lot of downtime like because I, I might do one cruise a month but the rest of the time I'm, I'm out on the road gigging I've got I run quite a lot of shows okay. you know so I've got shows going on so when I was on the last cruise I was you know I was on the using the ship internet which is really bad and <laughs> it's so slow and you know organising gigs so I, I still do a bit of work read um, you can see how people get 
can become alcoholics because you got the constantly all the weight is coming around. Do you want a drink? Do you yeah. want a drink? And it's all included like, in the price. No, no, the oh, drinks okay. aren't. Yeah, um, the food is, but the drinks aren't. But they're, they're around at ten o'clock in the morning. You know, do you want a drink? You know all this. Cool. Um, so I, you know, I for me it, that's not a price. I, I, I get really healthy on the ships. Actually, it goes yeah. the other way because I go to the gym every day. So when I'm at home, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your cabin. Is it a proper guest so, cabin, or yeah. are, you, are you down below with well, the staff? Well, that's the thing. Right, that's the other thing about um, uh, ships is that the higher up, you know, on the, in the actual thing, in the actual ship, the more expensive the cabin. You get these really expensive suites that are like three and a half grand for the week. Yeah. And I'm, you know, you're you're kind of more down in the bowels, but <laughs> you still got a little porthole. Oh, you see out. See out. There's two beds in there, and you, I take a friend. I'm Claire's coming. My wife's coming on the, the <laughs> next one. And um, but actually, the interesting thing, when things go badly wrong at sea when the weather is bad like I went over the Bay of Biscay you actually want to be in the bowels because the, the, it doesn't rock as much oh, of course that so makes it's quite sense, funny yeah. that those people that go for the you know the, the bird's eye view and go for the, the super you luxury really they're getting thrown back oh, and forth man. honestly when you when it's when it, the weather's rough you're like oh this is it's it's carnage in there. What is it like gigging then? Doing a show when people are throwing up everywhere? Uh, yeah, yeah, because you are. You Can it ever be you, too bad no, no, for the show to go on? It, because, yes, I, I did this one show on a cruise a while back, and there was this low... We're going over the Bay of Biscay. What yes. a bit of sea. You go to the out. best places. And, uh, <laughs> that really takes the Biscay, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you, we were literally swaying, right, so... There's this low-level nausea <laughs> in the oh. crowd, and you're like, it's really hard to make people laugh when 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 everyone's just sort of like, well, you know, holding holding yeah. it in, and 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 it's it's sort of funny, but you kind of like, you know, you you totter in one way and you totter in the next, oh, and mate. what I find funny is the um, the in-house show teams because it's all dancers, you know, yeah. you have these the dancing the guys and the girls doing like grease or whatever and, and when it's really bad they're kind of like tottering one way and oh. then they're, like, they're trying to do synchronised dancing and falling over each other we saw I was on a dodgy stage block at Butlins in the oh, spring okay. and I had to get off it it was moving oh, every man. time and I felt really ill I'd just get off it how <laughs> stupid on a ship it'd be terrible well, I, I did a gig the other day and um, it had these dodgy stage blocks where the one in the middle squeaked but not just like so I could hear, so everybody could hear it so I, I had to Avoid. So I, I had this oh. weird. I walked around the stage around the edge, and every time I said, and so I had to make a joke of it. But I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a trapdoor. Um, yeah. So cruising. You've been on a Christian cruise as well. I mean, I who went, would have thought such things existed? Well, th- th- well, this is it. What? What? You know? What? I'm is thinking a, a modern ship. Yeah, the yes, finest yeah. Christian well, entertainers. If it's a Christian cruise, it's going to be on you know some pretty state of the art um, uh, cruising technology. We were on. The oldest ship, and that, this isn't an exaggeration, in the world. It's it's the oldest functioning cruise ship. It's called uh, the, um, the Azores it's for cruise and maritime. It was built in 1944, Man. and it was the ship. It was one I got on there. I read about the history. It used to be called the Stockholm. It was involved in the biggest maritime disaster of all time. It sunk another ship. You are kidding? Back in well, I don't know, 67. Uh, in the middle of the night, it crashed into another ship, sunk it, right? And it says on the report, when you, when you read it, it goes, um, uh, it, was near, it was off the coast of, uh, it was near, not too far from New York. 
and then it took about 500 passengers of the ship that it sunk and I thought well that's the least you could do you know <laughs> <laughs> you just sunk another ship and um and yeah so but on the ship they don't really but I, I read this all on Wikipedia but it's um but it's so old and uh it was yeah it, it poor old girl just needed to be yeah. put out of her misery she she it was it, yeah it had a lot of leaks and yeah it was a bit creaky but but the Christian crews I went on with, I went on with some, some top-class Christian celebs. We had Pam Rhodes from Songs of Praise. We had oh, yes. Dana, who won Eurovision. Dana, First yes. ever person to win Eurovision. She was lovely. She came on with all... First the... ever? I think so, yes. Wow. If I'm not making that up, I'm pretty sure... Well, it was a while ago, wasn't it? Back in, like, early... Was early 70s or something like yeah. that, yeah? Um, with... Uh, do you remember the song? Go on. Try and remember... All kinds of everything, everything reminds me, me of you. Of you. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so she was belting that out, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we had, um, and then we had Frank Williams. Fra- now I know that name from Dad's Aunt. I've had a curry with him. In the, have you? I went out with him. It was a crazy old night in Rustington. <laughs> S- Sid, Sid Little <laughs> from Little and Large, <laughs> me and Frank Williams. Oh my goodness, you guys! They can believe it. Our local Indian. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought, thought they can take a photo of us next. If, the, if there was a nightclub in Rustington, they'd be there, <laughs> wouldn't they? I love it. He likes his red wine, Frank. He, he loves it. He loves a tipple off, Frank. Yeah. But I tell you what, and it, it sharp as anything. He's in his late 80s. Yeah. And uh, basically, he's got the, his sort of dad's army show because it's coming out again. This is like like oh, the film. The yes. film's coming out. You know, they've remade it. So he's appearing. And it's only him and the guy that played uh, Pike. Pike. Ian Lavender. Ian Lavender yeah. is still alive. Oh, of course. What about Jonesy? Is Jonesy dead. dead? They're all dead. Because it was very interesting, because I'm a big fan of Dad's Army, and of course Jonesy mm-hmm. was one of the youngest in the cast, and he was just made to look really old. Back was in the day, he? yeah. So you're looking now as if maybe he's not dead. No, he... Clive Dunn. Who was the one? Uh, maybe not Pat. Who was the... Because I haven't <laughs> watched it. When Manning would say Stupid Boy, that was yes, the Pikey one. that was the Pikey. Yeah, it's, he's the only one that's Corporal alive. Jones. Jones Corporal was, Jones yeah, is dead. No, you could be right. Yeah. 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 Oh, how interesting. Yeah. The 60 Second Life Coach with Peter Horn. Today I want to look at how to manage priorities. Those of you who are fans of the 70s sitcom 40 Towers will remember that Basil grappled with this when Sybil went into hospital. Basil was given a list of errands to complete and it included putting up a decorative moose head on the wall. Almost as soon as he'd returned to the hotel, the phone rang and it, it was Sybil checking on her eccentric husband's progress. Basil responded with typically caustic wit. Would you like the hotel moved a bit to the left, dear? I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. Tell her I'm doing it now. Five minutes later, when the the phone rang again, he said, Tell the tyrant queen her cardies is safe forever. The moose head is up. It's done, done, done. Now, as someone who is naturally gifted at starting many things and finishing very few, I know it can be helpful to have some strategies to call upon. The first thing to appreciate is that the well-known phrase time management is a bit of a misnomer. Time is one of those commodities that simply passes. We can't control it. We can only control ourselves and the way in which we use our time. Making good use of our time basically comes down to knowing how to establish your priorities and how to choose which of them to give attention to. One simple way to do this is to determine which things are urgent and important, urgent and not important, not urgent but important and not urgent and not important at all. Having categorised your tasks using this simple method, you need to choose one of them to tackle first. 
There's a different strategy for this, and it involves eating something pretty disgusting for breakfast, a frog. The phrase eat that frog comes from the title of a book by Brian Tracy, and it refers to doing the hardest, most important task of the day first. The phrase itself is borrowed from two quotes from Mark Twain. If you eat a frog first thing in the morning, the rest of your day will be wonderful. And the other one is, if you have to eat a frog, don't look at it for too long. Each day you're likely to be presented with your frog for the day. It will look ugly and unappetizing, and it will represent the most important, challenging and difficult task. Get into the habit of finishing it early in the morning before you do anything else. Don't dither and procrastinate. Just start working on it and keep going till it's finished. Completing it will give you a great sense of achievement and set you up for the rest of the day. You're listening to the Man Up Podcast with Steve Legg and Tony Vito. You're looking Steve. like a new man. Well, you've got a certain spring in your step. You're like a newborn lamb skipping around. <laughs> Something has happened since I saw you last. Well, that's true. Uh, and I'm uh, uh, sitting funny as well. You are sitting funny. <laughs> yeah. I've basically... Uh, uh, I've, four, I've never seen you in shorts before. Yeah. <laughs> and a nappy. Uh, four, four, <laughs> four weeks ago, I had a... Um, a Procedure. The, the big V, the uh, internal tube strike. The... Oh. You know, I'm basically... I'm, I'm now infertile. I've been done, neutered. Have you been checked? Uh, Have they checked you out? Have you done your samples and everything? Oh, now, yeah, in four months' time, I've got to go in. Yes. And, and they, they give me very specific instructions. Yeah. They say, right, you, you've got to give a sample right, yeah. of semen, right? But um, it can't be more than an hour old. That's right. You've got to get like, it in within an hour. Like I'm talking that talk about pressure, yeah. right? You know what I mean. I have to get the the wine, the candles, the <laughs> <laughs> and then like that was that was lovely love, right? <laughs> get a taxi. Uh, g- give me another half hour. <laughs> I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Well, once well I had it done, and you have to send these samples in. And I I was once in the playground, and I had a sample, and I was heading off to Worthing. I'm from Rustington, Littlehampton, and I was chatting to one of the mums in the playground, and she said, oh, "I'm heading off to the hospital." Dropping something in. Oh, please! No. And I was very tempted. I say, could you drop Can this you? in for me? <laughs> <laughs> Particularly if you haven't filled it at yeah. that point. Yeah. <laughs> give me five minutes. So anyway, oh, the, the procedure itself. So yeah, that was just bizarre. So, so getting now, getting to the point of actually even getting it booked in. The, the, I had to go see the GP. I don't yeah. know if you did that the yes. same in your order when you did yeah, that. Back yeah. in the day, yeah. Back in the day, I had to see my GP, book it in. And he wouldn't, and he was a young lad as well. And I said, hello. And he said, um, how can I help you? I said, well, uh, I want to book him for a vasectomy. He says, well, and he was, de- he's quite haughty about it. He said, well, we can talk about it. Right? And I was yeah. like, that, that annoyed me. Cause I was like, no, yeah. I want to get it booked in. So, but he had to take me through a series of questions. They've got a questionnaire to make sure scenario, that you want it. Cause yeah. he's like, well, you know, it's not, um, uh, it's a, a procedure that's very rarely reversible and all this is a fine. And I said, like, yeah, I understand the gravity of the situation. And he goes, one of the questions they asked me, I said, um, have you considered the scenario where your wife and children die and you're left alone? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, yeah I've considered it, but I don't have the contacts. Could you just, you know? <laughs> I was just like, oh, come on, let's have it in, book it in. And Did he, he laugh? Took, he, no, he didn't. Find he, <laughs> no, he was just like he was. But at that point, he went all right for it, and he and he, bu- and he booked it all in. And um, uh, and so then I did it, and I, I've got, I've got I can show you on my phone now, Steve. Right, the so they give me the date, and then um, uh, and that's all I knew. And and they said it's going to be in Bolton, right? And then I got the text through from the NHS, 
um, saying, you know, right, next Wednesday, your appointment at the mobile unit at Bolton B&Q car park. No. I was done in a and q car park. Well, We've got hammers and pliers. This is it, yeah. They even sell the little masks, don't they? <laughs> it's taking, like, DIY to a whole new level, isn't it? It was, and so, like, it, you know, something to do with cutbacks or something like that, you know? <laughs> but basically, I, 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 I drove to Bolton B&Q car park, and there was, like, this NHS lorry. You've probably seen them. You know what I mean? These these NHS big lorries. Yeah. You want to know what goes inside there? It's like it's like a, a, a dungeon. It's like a, like a torture chamber. You were done chamber. in there. I was done in the back of a lorry. You're kidding me. I promise you, in B&Q car park. I, the, I'm not making this up. So there's, like, you know, like some steps going up. Yeah. And it's... um. And it, but it's a proper little. It's got a little reception area where you, you sit down, and there's a little TV on the wall. So were you wearing the little gown with the things up there, with the gaps <sighs> up the back? No, up right. The this was. This, <laughs> they're just like, can we? Well, yeah, they're like nipping out for pliers, you know. Um, so I went. Um, so I booked in, and then they said, right, take a seat. And then when it was time to go through, there was the the room. It was two nurses and a doctor, and then again he took me through some questions, and uh, and then they said, right, lie on lie on the. Um, uh, uh, lay on the table, and if you could bring your trousers down, and uh, I said, all right, so I brought them down, and uh, and for modesty's sake, right, they have this um, this green sheet they put yeah. over your midriff, but he's got a massive hole in the middle. It's <laughs> <laughs> hardly helping, is it? <laughs> and then, um, and, and they were just obviously they were trying to normalise the situation. They were just chitter chattering and all this, and the, and um, and uh, and then the anaesthetist comes in, yeah. right, and uh, and big needle is like you know. I was, I was, I was asked feel, thinking he was going to say, uh, you might feel a bit of a prick. Well, you know, <laughs> to be honest, I do. But yeah, <laughs> but literally, yeah. and then woomph, one testicle, squit, whoom, and then you're like, whoa. And then he, and then so he does... So you cut open or is it, he, is yeah, it a keyhole now? Keyhole. So he, he, he does it and he pulls all the tubes out. Yeah. Cuts it, does it all that. Ties them up in a knot. Ties pushes it up, them back in. Yeah. Boomph, back in. And then they go on to the next. And so, but on the left testicle, right, he put, he, they stuck the needle in. Yeah. Whoa, that one killed. I went, what? I literally just was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he went, he went, and he, the, doc, the doctor generally said, he said, for some reason, the left one always hurts more. I was like, well, that's because the needle's probably blunt after the, <laughs> <laughs> after the first one. And so, it, and, oh man, but it, so it wasn't painful, like when they were doing the actual cutting and slicing and tying. It was just really, really you know, nauseous because you like yeah. you can feel the tubes tug, tugging inside, and the whole thing's kind of surreal. You can't imagine it's happening to you because you have so many like, horror stories and people totally. talking about it. And I'm just and you're lying there thinking, "Is this is really this happening? Real? To you? Have I actually? Am I in a B and Q car park yeah. <laughs> getting this done to me? Life changing operation or life denying operation?" Yeah. And uh, and then so, so and then surreal. someone walks up to get a ladder. <laughs> no, you're in the other part. <laughs> I can't. I only came in for row plugs. Look at that. <laughs> huge mistake. And um, and you know what was crazy? Uh, then I didn't know about this, yeah. but you'll remember this. They quarterize it, right? They get a brat like a poke, like yeah. pss, and I could smell yeah. my own burning oh, flesh. It's put me off bit. barbecues for life, oh, mate. mate. Unbelievable! It's why my eyes lasered. That was the worst bit. They they they, they cut it open. Yeah, and they get a laser. And oh, they burn it into the cornea, mate. and it's the, the smell of the burning. The smell of your yeah. own flesh burning. Yeah. And then it it's it, the it, I don't know. I suppose it's the um, 
the, the lack of ceremony afterwards. You're like, that's it, Matt. You, you know, put I'm your now, pants on, go home. See, yeah, I just got, I went to, and he said, oh, can you sit in the reception for 15 minutes? I said, fair enough. And I sat down in the reception. Well, I call it sitting. Like, <laughs> As perched. you pulled your pants up. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> so you forgot something. So yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and I sat there, and I'm not kidding you, I fainted. Right? No. I was in reception, I was sat there, and I thought, oh, this is fine. Because I, I, I was about to get in the car straight yeah. off, and I said, all right, I sat down, I had a glass of water, and then I just went really hot and yeah. really sweaty, and I started to just feel myself going, whoa. And basically, the, the receptionist called the nurse over because yeah. um, she said, You've gone great. And they went, You're right. Yeah. So and I was like, I've heard it, there's it. And so I had to go and sit in another room, a la- yeah. have a lie down in another room. And I don't know what that was about. Sometimes that happens because you've had your. your your bollocks tugged yeah. essentially and yeah. it's you know it's like it's bad enough if you get a football knocked oh, against him mate, but yeah. uh, so but then yeah then I drove home and it was like wow it was the most unceremonious yeah. thing ever I would and there was no you don't get enemy in a jar or anything like no, that do you it's no. just so was it painful for a few days it was yeah it was because I've got really young kids as well and yeah. the, you know you tell them look dad yeah. I'm going to sit here but they're yeah. climbing all that and every so often one oh, I'd get a two year old foot oh, right in the nose that. whoa that was that was painful and and um, and it, it, you, you do and like it was coming down the stairs uh, out of the unit like you, you could, I could see people in the car park looking at it as I'm sort of like doing the John Wayne yeah. crossing over to my car, and I was like, I could, I'm sure they were laughing. And um, but it was, yeah, I, I had to just really take it easy, and uh, and there was just this. It was not, it wasn't really pain. It was just this horrible numbness, ache, yeah, you know. And then, aching. like I was on the cruise, um, like I say, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know, I was about to do a show, and I must, I basically had this certain pair of jeans, and I was about to go on stage. And the cut of the jeans just wasn't quite right. And I was like, I was in agony. It was like, I must have been pressing up against oh, the thing. Man. Nothing I could do to rearrange. Yeah. And, you know, and there's people walking by and I'm like, oh, I'm going, I was sweating. You've got Frank I, Williams there. Frank Williams. <laughs> Sid Drink Little. Tony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, regaling stories. Absolutely. And it was just, and I couldn't, I couldn't get myself right. And I had yeah. to do a show in, in like agony. So it just, something happened. So it's not, a terrible pain, but no. every so often. Well, I had mine done on the Friday, last Friday before Christmas, because most people have weekends off yeah. to recover, and of course we're out working. Absolutely. And I was in Cornwall the following night, and I had to drive to Cornwall, oh, uh, four and a half hours, and I got my trousers off when I got there to have a shower, blood everywhere. Oh, mate. Oh, it was like an absolute oh. massacre. <laughs> and what about you? We, we, did you recover all right from Yeah, it? I don't remember it. Yeah, it was Christmas, so we had a few drinks, took some paracetamols, got <laughs> over it quick. And that, but well, I've never had the all clear. You, did you not do the... Oh, I, oh, well, I did a couple, and then they kept saying there's a few, few sperms swimming around. Like, oh, and forget it. Think, Blow that. I'm not going over here once <laughs> a month. <laughs> Little jar. I had to... Um, I, I've got a, a date. Um, November, I think the 40... The the receptionist was like... Um, you had to book in a date to, to bring in the um, the sample. And uh, and, and, and she looked at, looked at the diary. She got how are you fixed for November 14th? I said, I've got nothing in the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> not to me. Jobs for the boys. Well, it's wonderful to be here 
in sunny Minehead. Well, it's not very sunny, actually. It's a bit blustery, isn't it? But there we are. That's brilliant for you. With, seriously, one of my heroes, Rob Parsons um, from Care for the Family. Rob, are you having a good week? Great week, Steve. Absolutely a great ball, yeah. Now, we are talking about people with interesting jobs. You have... Well, it is interesting, but it's fascinating. It's a helpful job. Yes. Tell us about the work with Care for the Family. I'm the CEO of a national charity, Care for the Family. I spend a lot of my time writing books and speaking, sometimes to quite large audiences, on family life, really, and marriage, parenting, bringing up kids, all that kind of stuff. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? And it's nice for people to admit that it is hard, but sometimes, particularly in churches, everyone seems to have it together. Oh, mate, it's blooming hard. Somebody said the problem with bringing up kids is just about the time you get the hang of it, you're redundant. <laughs> and and uh, we find that. But you know what we find also? Well, you share some of your mistakes, mm. not just all the clever stuff. That really, really helps people. We need to know we're not alone. Now, I've got five teenage daughters. Oh, wow. I know, we have five bathrooms in our house, which I have been, <laughs> but all that is in the site. What tips would you give me in bringing up teenagers because I know your kids <laughs> obviously <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, do you know I can remember one psychologist saying just get them through fight as few battles as you possibly can they might grunt at you they may seem to disappear in the teenagers in the outer space when they're about 21 years old most of them land and, and I, I think that many parents of teenagers feel rubbish and you'll find they're different characters one will be compliant one will test you daily great tip for the testing one is catch them doing something right so often the one that drives us crazy all oh, over here is negative stop Bonus, one year on your homework, catch them doing something right. When the ear never hears praise, the heart loses the will to try. Oh, I love that. And how can Care for the Family help us? How can we engage with you? Well, can you engage with us? Yeah, we work in two areas marriage, you know, it'll be happy in your relationships, or well, whatever those are, uh, parenting and bereavement. If you've lost a child, you've lost a partner early in life, uh, we can be there for you and help you. Hey, this is Sylvester Stallone, and I play it tough. You're listening to the Sword of Man Up podcast. This is what we do. So, Tony, I'm not sure how you cope with nerves. I'm normally okay. I'm normally more excited, but I did a gig in Farringdon, yeah. Oxfordshire, last night. Yeah. I was really nervous. It was a church-organized event in a pub, nice little country pub, and I was staying there as well. But uh, they've been selling tickets behind the bar as well. And I wouldn't call myself a comedian. I kind of do comedy magic and the yeah. magic's fun. And I couldn't tell a joke to save my life. Mm-hmm. But I can be funny and, you know, banter and all sorts of bits and pieces. Have fun with people in the audience and on stage. And I was just really nervous. They wow. were selling all these tickets yeah. for this comedy night. £15 a go as well. And I'm just standing there beforehand, and all these guys with tattoos, big muscular guys yeah. coming in saying, I hope it's funny and I've just seen Roy Chubby Brown and he's brilliant oh, he's no, hilarious no. and I'm thinking I've got to go on and I for an hour and make him laugh and all these big guys were sitting yeah. at the table right in front of me and it was a small room low ceiling tables yeah. little spotlights mirrors everywhere no PA oh, kind of the worst thing carnage. in the world absolutely I really was scared and I yeah. thought this is going to be carnage Yeah. but I went on and I was really good and they loved it right from the beginning and these guys were coming up at the end saying oh that was beep 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 fantastic and you didn't swear and you weren't blue and you weren't like chubby and we just really enjoyed well, it. And it you know what and sometimes I think interesting at certain gigs when nerves come on it might be particularly if I'm doing like a late night 
Friday, Saturday night, stag and hen do type comedy club where I'm like, there's a bit of aggression in the air or whatever, and I'm like, and I might go, and what my internal voice goes, these aren't this, these aren't my people. Yes. But in the end, like you said, what you find with those guys, they're just people are just people. If all they want is the funny, we sometimes project on other people what we think they mm. need or want or whatever. But that's the beauty is in the end, it is just people. And you just go on and, and, and do your thing. Because, like, how do you deal with nerves then? Like, how, you know, like that to me sounds like if I was in that situation and I was like, I was feeling nervous about it, I, I, I get myself into the t- cubicle and just, <laughs> and well, and then climb through the window. No, <laughs> no and just have a moment. I, try, I yeah. try and have a moment just to almost like meditate, like kind of just yeah. think, pray, just center myself because cause it's that mind talk, it's that little monkey mind, isn't it? Do you know what I did? Going, I was staying there. So I was thinking in my mind, I was just playing all this out, and I thought this is going to be really bad because they're all going to see me at breakfast. Oh, no, the women from no. the woman from the pub and everything. Oh, so I went no. back to my room, and watched Coronation Street. Coronation yes. Street. <laughs> wow, I was standing there and I thought I've got to get out because it, there was a meal as well, and I thought I, you know, I don't want to be eating no, no. as well. Well, I can't eat, and I prefer not to eat yeah. anyway before a show. And they were all eating. I thought, get out of the room, come back, and well. And he was fine. And Cor- I went and watched Corey, Corey came back, up. watched the, the warm-up guy, who had quite a hard time. Oh, bless him. Um, you know, he played the guitar, did some comedy, uh, didn't go down great, which m- kind of made me feel even worse. I was looking around at these people who were just talking and yeah. laughing, not for the right reason, and the wrong people sitting in the wrong place. Yeah. But I went on and... So you'd say then... You know, if, you know, if the people listen, if they're going to do a public presentation or whatever, or a comedian or a magician, for you, actually, just not focusing on the fear, dis- almost you distracted yeah. yourself, didn't you? you I think basically, I did. Yeah. It was a form of meditation in that sense because you you put your focus not on yeah. what could go wrong. You just went right. I'm going to go remove myself from yes. the situation. Yeah, and I wrote stuff on my hands. Yeah, it's certain things which were really it? kind yeah. of good as well. Yeah, yeah, just I do in that. case because when you're nervous, you can dry up. Yeah, a lot, and it's just simple things. I always write where we are because we, you work so many places, oh my and it was yeah. Farringdon, so I just write Farringdon on my hands. You know, I did, I did just this week uh, on Wednesday night. I was um, closing a gig in Sydenham, which is South London, yeah. for Sydenham Sydenham Arts Festival. I, sh- I forgot to do that to actually write down and I got on stage and I couldn't quite remember how it was pronounced so I was going I was kept calling it Sid- Sydenham or something oh, like yeah. that and there were people like Sydenham and I was like Sydenham and I couldn't quite get it and it was it got a bit annoying for them for me you know what I mean I'm like Ugh. so it's just dead important like preparation yeah. is just really important you know that whole you know those that um, fail to plan, plan to yeah. fail, kind of thing. It's just those little, and again, that's a that's quite a centering process. Going right, okay, I'm going to write down. I write down, you know, on my hand a couple of couple of points of what I'll do. You know, a couple of new jokes I might put. You know, and basically, that is like a safety net. Yeah, I never look at my hand. I never actually refer to it. But if I did ever dry it up, you're safe. You're safe. You know, seen Harry got, Hill do it. Yeah, Harry Hill does it, and Johnny Casson, who's kind of the comedian's comedian, yeah, yeah. who's never really cracked it on telly, but you know, comics know Johnny as yeah. one of the governors. Yeah, and I've been with him, and his hand is covered with with handwriting. Wow, of all these little things, and you think, 
Johnny had been doing this for 50 years, and I'm sure it was pretty much the same act. <laughs> and yeah, he's still, that's it. And you can't, but there's maybe there's that stuff because I, I, this is a practice I had when I was first doing comedy, and I still do it, even though I don't need it anymore. It's kind of just become like, um, I think there's something part of like a ritual, a routine. Yeah. It's changing your mental state, I think, before before going on stage. You know, you go, right, this is what I do. Mm. And I think, in a sense, it doesn't really matter what that routine is. It's almost just knowing what your routine is just to kind of get you... It was so it, it could be Lucky Socks. Lucky Socks. that so- works for you. Well, um, someone said, like, Bobby Ball, right? Someone was doing a gig with Bobby Ball. I don't know if he does this everyone, but he said um, he was doing an after-dinner um, comedy set, and uh, he'd, he'd, see, he'd noticed... My friend that was sat next to him noticed that he sung um, We Will Rock You. He was like, we will, we will. And he, and he was obviously just doing it under yeah. his breath. You know, and it was like, and I remember saying to my friend, I think that's just his, his pre-show preparation, preparation routine mm-hmm. thing, you know. And it, and it is, there's, there's different ways to do it. I've got, I know one comedian, my brother, I, got, I, I booked him for my brother's friend's birthday party or whatever, and my brother went in to pay him or something like that before he went on, and he, was, he knew he was in the toilet, right? And he walked in, and he's in the cubicle, and he was like, you're a tiger. <laughs> I could hear this from inside oh, the I cubicle. And, um, and, and like, obviously, and he's like, oh, do, 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 you know, doing all, yeah. the, all the voice exercises and just going, and roaring. And my, my brother went... I'll give him five minutes and <laughs> walked out again. Well, it's yeah. funny. I had a couple of friends who, who were actors on The Bill, the police yeah. programme, and Reg Hollis, uh, the actor, yeah. always the character, I can't remember, Jeff, someone or other, and he always worked best without shoes on. So whenever Reg Hollis was in a shot, he had to be shot from kind of the waist up. Crikey. He was, he was barefooted. So, and that was for the bit. He, so he clearly didn't do that end scene where they walk off. That's right. <laughs> that, was, that was not his feet. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating that these things, they kind of work... They become a ritual. Yeah. And if you haven't got the lucky pants on, it can affect your, yeah. your, your head. I find rash, rationalisation can also help, as in, like, think of the word. It's almost like stoic thinking going, before a gig, I kind of wail. If this is, I sometimes actually think, what, what's the worst that can happen tonight? You know exactly. what I mean? If I'm scared, I'm going, like, cracky, this is a big gig. It's pretty rough and aggressive and there's loads of people shouting, whatever. I go, okay, what's the worst that can happen? And I start to go, you know, if it goes badly tonight, it's just gone bad in front of these people, and I'm in South Normanton, who cares? You know? yep. And uh, my wife still loves me, I've, my kids are beautiful, Da-da-da, you know what I mean? This is, this is my, yep. my, my, my life isn't based around this one. This component. is not life or death. No. And, and so I uncouple, and I think that helps in other areas of life, you know what I mean? If there's any ever conflict with anybody, or, or I'm nervous about having a conversation, I kind of, you know, actually having a, that level of detachment and actually just rationalising really and that again I think settles down your monkey mind it's like yeah. your monkey mind that gets all scared and like you know it's, I'm going to you know and it's all about fear and flight, flight and, and fight and flight and all that so in terms of nerves do you get nervous I mean we've done loads of gigs I've never seen you I don't get nervous anymore much but every so often I go, oh, hello, I remember you, nerves. Yeah. And it's at those moments... And it's like surprising said, things. It's a surprise. And I'm like, why am I... Like, I was nervous this week at Sydenham Arts Festival. Yeah. Not because of the... The, the gig was lovely, it was nice and packed and filled and, and all that. But there was a few people in the audience that I knew, friends, uh, from the from the circuit and stuff like that. And, and I was nervous about performing in front of them and... and Isn't you know, funny? And I, I don't know, for some reason, I was just nervous. Uh, but I'm not, normally I aren't nervous. Uh, 
one practice I read in this book called Tuesdays with Morrie. It's like this. <laughs> it's like a story. Um, anyway, it's quite a funny story. But uh, oh, no, a, a lovely story where this man is sort of giving life advice to this younger man. Uh, I remember one of the things he said was if fear comes almost objectify it. and I thought that really helped and actually w- one thing I learned when I was first started comedy is I could feel the fear but I wouldn't go this is me this is I wouldn't say I embody this and I live this is this is part of me I would almost kind of make it separate to me I'd say okay and I'd sometimes talk to the fear say oh hello fear I recognise you yep. thanks very much I understand why you're here you're getting me prepared or whatever. And, then I'd, and then at a certain point I'd go right it's time for you to leave now Woof, and the fear would go I'd, you know almost like just rather than because sometimes people can feel an emotion and go that's me and that's truth and that's mm. the, that's what it is but actually emotions come and go mm. that's not necessarily the f- full reality you could be getting getting it wrong you could be having a wrong perspective on it and after a bad gig do you ever go home and think that's it I'm not doing this again <laughs> or do you get back straight on that horse I'm a pretty emotional person so I do I think you know it does affect me if it goes badly wrong but most of the time it's been a, it's, it's only it, I, I can't remember the last time I was like that's it thinking of throwing the towel in usually but there is that whole thing that I need another gig yeah. to make, get me back on the horse you know I need to do it's only until I've done the next one and done really well that I feel okay if my last gig was a terrible gig I'll have that feeling mm. until the next one and how many times would you experiment with a new routine um, if I've got a new trick or something yeah the, it's ever so easy if it doesn't work brilliantly the first time to drop it. Yeah. And I think you need to persevere, and it's totally. hard, really. Totally. So I'm playing with something tonight that I did last night at this pub, and I was scared anyway. I thought, well, let's, you know, let's give it a go. Well done. It was going well, and I thought, oh, this has got potential. If it hadn't have gone well, very tempting to drop it completely. How yeah. many times would you persevere with a gag, a, a story? Yeah, I, I think... I give it. I've got to road test it at least three times yeah. before a live audience. Before I go, you know, I'll drop that. It just doesn't have legs because. But again, you know, um, because the first time it might smash, and I go right, that's definitely staying in. And then actually, it doesn't. You know, there's got to be something behind it. But you, yeah, the the longer I think I'm in comedy, the, the more I think you become attuned to what actually is funny. You sometimes go, you know, you kind of know this will work or this won't work. So that randomness. So when I get a new, I craft a new piece, it'll I'll usually be able to bring it to fruition. Because out of all the things that write, I go right. That one I think's got legs, mm. and that's the one I'll road test. Because for me, I don't know how you do, but I I I, I slip it in for five minutes between and you know the 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 normal set. So, I'll, so two things that you know are killers. Yeah. Put them in, so I've got. You I know, wouldn't finish with it. No, I wouldn't finish with it. I've got. I know. I know. I've got my intro and my exit. I'm doing this routine. I know that that's established. That goes well. I've got this routine afterwards that I know established. It'll go well. I can afford to put this one in the middle. Yeah. And if it doesn't go well, boom. We'll and get I've it got back. my exit. I've yeah. got my uh, uh, Grexit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a, uh, a politics for you there. That was the man of podcast. They'll be back.